0: The relevance of advertising is diminishing, and we see that in the in the data that we have. About only 40% of U.S. adults online agree that ads are a useful way to learn about new products or new information. And 62% of them say that there are just too many ads, and that they feel the environment is, is way too cluttered.
1: The B2B Marketing Exchange was created with one goal in mind to help B2B practitioners across marketing and sales be better at their jobs. Now we're bringing the insights from the stage to your ears. These are the tips and tools you need to succeed. This is the B2B Marketing Exchange Podcast. Hello, hello everyone. Welcome back to the B2BMX Podcast. I'm your host, Claudia Tarico, editor of Demand Gen Report, and I know we've been sharing a bunch of awesome session replays from our February event, but today's a little bit different. I've got Jay Patasal of Forrester on the pod with me to talk about all things intelligent creativity. It's a really interesting topic, and you're probably wondering what the hell that is, so um, well, don't worry. We'll dive into that shortly, but uh, a little background on Jay. At Forrester, he is responsible for agency coverage, uh, and that includes media, digital, creative, and in-house agencies. And essentially, they help both B2B and B2C marketing clients understand the opportunities, strengths, weaknesses, and challenges even of the services and agency marketplace. Forrester actually came out with a report about intelligent creativity, and that's what kind of fueled my idea to to have Jay on the pod, because I really wanted to dive into this topic. And like I said, you know, we're probably all thinking, what the hell is intelligent creativity? Um, But yeah, Jay explains everything during the talk. Um, And essentially, it's about taking the human thought of conceptual creation and making it more intelligent through technology, AI, automation, all that fun stuff, and really using it to complement the creative process. And, And a lot of this conversation is going to be about just digital advertising as a whole. And Jay even shares some fascinating stats about how essentially advertising is becoming somewhat irrelevant in this digital age. Research shows that only about 40% of U.S. adults online agree that ads are a useful way to learn about new products. And 62% say that there are way too many ads out there and the space is just very cluttered. And I mean, I could totally relate, you know, if if you're online and you see all these ads, um, I'm sure you definitely understand the amount of Uh, cluttering that's going on in the space. So essentially, we've got to do better, right? And Jay is here to share some solutions. So with that, I'm going to roll the interview. Enjoy. Jay, how's it going? Thank you so much for taking the time.
0: Very well, thank you. And thanks for having me.
1: Awesome. I'm really excited for this conversation. But to kick things off, I'd love for you to just tell us a little bit about yourself and your work at Forrester
0: absolutely I am a principal analyst at Forrester and I am responsible for our agency coverage and our agency coverage comprises media digital creative and in-house agencies and it's designed to help our marketing clients both b2c and b2b marketing clients better understand the opportunities and the strengths and the weaknesses and the challenges of the marketing services and marketing agency marketplace, and to help our agency clients, of which we have uh, quite a number as well, better understand the needs of marketers, the chief marketer and in the, in the B2B, B2C marketing set. And so for agencies specifically, I'm helping to create a better ecosystem by helping them understand one another's needs.
1: That's very cool. And I know you actually wrote a blog post about intelligent creativity and how it overhauls the creative process. And this was from a also a Forrester report that came out called Intelligent Creativity Energizes Marketing Productivity. I found both the blog and, and the report fascinating. So I'd love to dive into the topic a little bit. So first and foremost, let's set up the context. How do you define intelligent creativity? and what is the purpose that it serves?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So the process that fuels marketing and advertising for many years has been one that's very intuition driven. I mean, marketing and advertising are fundamentally a creative exercise, and it's an exercise of intuition and craft and skill. And it's for as long as there's been commercial approach to marketing, the goal has really been to shape culture and to shape commerce, to shape people's opinions and perceptions about the world around them and and lead them to solutions that are often identity solutions that are commercial solutions. So there's a problem, there's a product that can fix it or a service that can fix it. And as I said, it's been done in, in a way that is for the better part of a century is leaning into the kind of intuitive understanding of of people and the intuitive craft of creativity. And it worked for quite a while, but over the last 20 years or so, we've seen lots of evidence of certain elements of this process starting to break down a little bit, and in particular is the relevance of advertising is diminishing. And we see that in the, in the data that we have. About only 40% of U.S. adults online agree that ads are a useful way to learn about new products or new information. And 62% of them say that there are just too many ads, and that they feel the environment is, is way too cluttered. And the click-through rate of display advertising has diminished pretty significantly since the advent and the, in, and the introduction of it. And then you've got situations where the technology, the very kind of pervasive nature of advertising technology Tracking consumers across the internet across devices, or making purchase suggestions based upon behaviors or search behavior or search queue, and you know consequently it feels a little invasive or a little creepy, so the, the relevance of advertising is not what it used to be and then experiences themselves kind of more broadly advertising is is part of that but more immersive digital experiences like digital products online or digital apps and platforms, they feel very same and very similar. They solve the, they solve the same customer need, they, they use often the same technology, they're very similar in their design, and they're often used across the same one or two devices, a laptop or a smartphone. And so you've got this situation where advertising isn't quite as relevant as it used to be, that experiences are are a bit similar, and digital products sometimes can even have adverse effects. It's just the marketing work and the marketing products that are being put out are not as effective as they once were in today's digital culture. Um, consequently not as smart, if you will, as they could be. And so the concept, your question, the concept of intelligent creativity isn't necessarily about replacing the intuitive nature of marketing, but it's about adding on to it. It's about Taking the very human thought of conceptual creation and making it more efficient, making it more intelligent with the use of technology and software and artificial intelligence and automation as a set of tools to help complement the creative process. And so it is the creative process as we have always understood it, just with a new set of tools to make it more effective and scaled.
1: That's so interesting. And I mean, advertising irrelevance, it, that's a really bold statement. So I'd love to dive into that a little more. But just a quick question regarding the in terms of intelligent creativity, do you see this differing, like a little bit between B2B and B2C companies? Or is it kind of like a neutral across-the-board type of um, concept?
0: Well, I think it applies to both. But the question is is where, whether there is a volume of activity in one set versus the other. And I think the budgets and the volume in B2C tend to be larger budgets and more content and more content velocity. But I think it equally applies so while there might be more scale on the B2C side just because of the media budgets that are involved, the B2B side, I think, is probably more conducive to such a process just because the audiences are are often more definable. The audiences are more knowable. There's a lot of intelligence around, around the B2B segments just based upon the data that's collected. And so consequently, there's the opportunity to apply that. And I think there's also a difference in the mindset. There's a difference in the mindset between B2B practitioners and B2C practitioners. You know, B2C is very much, I think, commiserate with that philosophy, that that intuitive philosophy that I was talking about before. It really kind of grew out of the B2C marketing tradition, whereas B2B has always been a bit more pragmatic. And so consequently, I could see it be, you know, equally relevant, but maybe a little bit more likely on the B2B side.
1: Very interesting. And I know a lot of the time B2B is always kind of following and B2C's footsteps, especially now with all of the personalization that goes on for just regular consumer experiences, whether it's like Netflix and Spotify and and B2B wants that, wants to like get to that level and and be as relevant and, and personalized as possible. But going back to this advertising irrelevance, Can you just dive a little bit deeper from a specific B2B standpoint? What are the challenges there and what are some ways that B2B organizations can still get their products and solutions and messaging in general in front of buyers to kind of stand out against the competition?
0: Yeah, I think this is a point where the distinction between B to B and B to C is that it you know, they're both B to P. It's people. And whether it's a consumer purchase or a business purchase or a business situation, you're still experiencing the world just as a consumer in some respects. And so the the advertising irrelevance that we all feel, I think we carry into into a business setting. I see it in that respect as equally problematic, despite the difference that I was talking about before between the, the volume of content and the size of the of the media budget, but you know, ultimately the ad experience it just hasn't changed. It's still predicated on an interruption, and whether that's interrupting a, a person shopping for a, a consumer solution or someone professional shopping for a a service or a business solution, it's still the concept of an interruption. And increasingly, the data and the tools that I'm talking about are part of the the creepy nature, if you will. After all, it's data and tagging that has that's uh, resulted in the the following of and the tracking of audiences across the internet. So it's the data and the technology that have that have led us to the point where we're having such uh, vigorous debates about privacy and have placed the walled garden tech companies in a position where their choice or not to support APIs or to support uh, third-party cookies is becoming a choice of privacy in the in the user experience. And so again, it calls upon us and is incumbent upon, upon the agency to have a more sophisticated, intelligent approach to creating rather than just this you know, clumsy, quasi-irresponsible, somewhat creepy experience that follows and pesters and retargets people, whether in a business or a consumer setting.
1: Yeah. I mean, the level of creepiness does kind of scare me sometimes too. I feel like I I talk about one topic and then all of a sudden it's all over my social media pages and advertisements are everywhere. I think obviously I get it, but many people who really aren't in in the industry in general definitely could seem creeped out. But um, with this oversaturation of advertisements and the fact that we're in this level of digital transformation obviously advertisements aren't going to go anywhere do you have any tips for marketers and to how they could i guess not be as creepy or just keep that relevance and and really provide the type of content and messaging whether it's through advertisements or or email or whatever it is do you have any tips or best practices to how they could kind of do that better?
0: Sure. I mean, these types of tools and this technology that we're talking about, you know, it's really automation and machine learning and robotics processing automation and, you know, maybe some advanced forms of of AI, computer vision. These are things that apply to Many of the aspects of the marketing and advertising process. And where you see it first and foremost is in the audience and media activation setting, where these tools powered by data connected by different platforms, connected into a DSP, sometimes connected into a dynamic creative optimization engine. They help define audiences using a series of data. It can be the client's data. It can be a set of proprietary data. It can be the third-party data that we were talking about before, the media data. But they help define an audience and help define the, the, the segmentation of the audience. And you can learn certain characteristics about your audiences and about your segments and use those as either ways to optimize your, your marketing marketing mix, your media mix and where you're going to where you're going to place communication and you can potentially even use it as as insight for the copy or the creative concepts itself. So I mean already within that we've talked about three different areas where defining the audience and optimizing a media mix in a in a media context, using the information in an insights context, insights for building the campaigns or insights for establishing the objectives of, of campaigns and then we've talked about how it can potentially potentially be used for uh, creative development as well. There's lots of opportunity, and then of course the, on the back end, the measurement and the optimization of, of all the work is yet another opportunity. Even the back end office, if you will, for managing campaigns and managing marketing, whether it be inside the agency where things like billing and reconciliation or or advertising operations and marketing operations, and then carried through almost in a in a work flow process over to the client side where approvals and schedules and billing and reconciliation can happen on that side too so there's a, there, i mean there's a lot of opportunity to apply this i think the best place to start really is, I think, in the in the media piece, because the media professionals it's where it's most pervasive. And the media professionals are much more, shall we say, data and technology literate compared to some of the other functions inside the agency. Not to say that the others aren't. It's just a matter of experience. So I think best practices is, is to start there and start with an audience-based approach. And then to let that lead you to places like insight and creative development.
1: That's great. I'm curious, is there a role within the organization that kind of owns all of this? What kind of role do, do specific marketers, maybe CMOs or marketing directors or even sales, or who owns all of this? What roles do CMOs play to really provide that intelligent creativity and, and get going on it?
0: Yeah, it's a great question. If you kind of deem someone the automations are, whether it's the CMO or a VP or, or otherwise, or, or even, on, you know, when you're inside a marketing agency, if there's, someone that's kind of deemed the agency's automations are, then it starts to feel like something that's being forced or pushed onto you based upon a responsibility or an agenda. And really what it should be, just like the broader transformation initiative inside companies, is that it should be everyone's job. You know, everyone's job is is about transforming the company's capability to be more relevant to its customers, to build more direct connections with customers, to help evolve the business to be more digitally sophisticated and customer direct and the same with this is, is that it, everyone take the same with the intelligence side of marketing creation is that it become part of part of your daily function and there's some you know, there's some companies that have made strides towards this by you know particularly on the agency side where they've they've really taken on the vision or the remit of incorporating this type of technology into their daily work and they do that by really just c- clearly communicating what What the vision is and that the vision is about being additive, you know, and not overbearing. It's about taking away the parts of the tasks of people's jobs that are the least favorite, the more boring and kind of rote and mundane stuff that, that, um, (laughs) <laughs> that you don't particularly like yeah. to do, you know? People always ask for examples, and I, I could say, well, you know, the first one is timesheets, right? <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and so, the you know, the things that are more appropriate for uh, for software to do, leaving behind the things that humans are much more excited about. And so once you kind of understand that, that vision, then it's everyone's imperative to, to identify the things about their jobs that are building presentations, running reports, creating data, analysis. What are the things that are you know repetitive and can be placed in an automation loop and and free you up to do more of the human thinking that's still very necessary, the strategic thinking and strategic value that's that's necessary. And so once you take on that culture of of intelligent creativity, then you've got everyone on board, or more people on board at least. And and it becomes a less overbearing, daunting task and more realistic. And and you get to incrementally work away at at building these tools into your work process.
1: Awesome. So it sounds like intelligent creativity it promotes alignment across the organization, right? Or or does it require internal alignment? Because I just I, I just wanted to ask because I know internal alignment, whether it's you know marketing and sales, marketing and sales, customer success, SDRs, BDRs, all of it. It's constantly a struggle and a a pain point for many organizations. But just based off your last answer, it sounds like intelligent creativity really promotes alignment and then just allows people to collaborate better and and just pass off those mundane tasks over to the technology is that right
0: That's part of it but I think the information that it uses you know going back to the insights that are produced using platforms and using software like this is there's a bit of a red thread of consistency that runs through that so uh, you know one of the places that we talked about was audiences and defining audiences and often in the marketing process whether we're on the marketer side inside the marketing organization or, or part of their partner ecosystem is that there are different sets of insights being used by different different partners and different marketing functions. In the past, media was very much um, survey-driven, data-driven exercise based upon syndicated surveys from companies like Simmons and MRI, certainly on the consumer side. Yet the insights that were developed or used rather to develop creative were much, were much more kind of qualitative insights and sociological insights that come from a different set of tools. And then on the digital side, these are insights that are derived from behavior and, and a set of behavioral understanding of the way that, that people and users and customers behave online. And so while all of these were useful in the creation of marketing, they weren't necessarily consistent from, from segment to segment, if you will, or from department to department. But the more intelligent form of approaching this is, or should I say the, the form of, of approaching this that has that leverages more intelligence? intelligence and data intelligence and audience intelligence is a more single- set of insights that applies across all the activity. And again, this technology that is CDP or DMP-based technology that can help kind of create a set of universal segments and universal understanding of customers is the basis for which you can drive some more consistency. And so it's really like, it's not a chicken-egg thing so much as it's, it's like, start with the basics and integrating the technology into the workflow creates consistency and creates the opportunity for people to to better embrace the tools.
1: Very, very interesting. Honestly, I think we covered everything that I felt that I wanted to cover today. (laughs) But is there anything that we might have glossed over that you think our audience should hear?
0: Yeah, I mean, the, the thing to think about is, what's in it for marketers and their partners to embrace a new set of tools? Well, I think there's a, there's a couple of benefits for this, and we touched on one of them, and I'll start there. We touched on the, the automating the, the simple tasks and the boring tasks, and what that translates to is empowering employees. You're essentially empowering employees by swapping out the mundane parts for the more fulfilling parts, and so that's a clear benefit, a clear employee experience and it signals that you know the machines are not here to take the jobs <laughs> they're here to make them more interesting or make them more capable. And in that regard, the same thing is it's the same phenomenon for the work, for the marketing work that's created. You know, I talked about advertising and marketing execution that had become a little bit less relevant for various reasons. We talked about experiences that that were a bit similar and not very differentiated. Well, there's the opportunity to, to use technology like this, using AI and combining it with creative capabilities to create executions that differentiate the brand and also make very kind of hyper-relevant outputs just from the understanding of audiences. So there's, I think it, it's about making the work better. It's about making employees better. It's about better meeting the emotional needs of customers, which is you know something that's done with more success on the B2C side and increasingly on the B2B side. You've got marketers really leaning into the power of emotion in that work as well. And again, from a deeper understanding of audiences comes a more empathy and the ability to, to empathize with those audiences and deliver uh, on those emotional needs
1: fascinating stuff. I love it. And this was just awesome and and really, really interesting. So Jay, thank you so much for this great conversation. I will be sure to link to your blog post and the full report from Forrester in our show notes. So everyone, if you loved this conversation, definitely check it out. It's fascinating stuff. Jay, thank you again for taking the time to join us today. It was my pleasure.
0: My pleasure as well. Thank you.
1: And to everyone out there listening, thank you so much for joining us today. As always, be sure to subscribe to the pod so you don't miss any new episode drops. You can find us on all of the major podcast players in the space. And of course, drop me a line on Twitter or LinkedIn. If you have any feedback or have any future guest suggestions, I'd be happy to hear them. Thanks again, folks. I'll catch you next time.